Oh, good day. I'm Mark Sylvester, Ambassador of 805 Connect and your host for this 805 Conversation, where we talk to fascinating people you'll want to know better. Our show, sponsored by California Lutheran University School of Management and Tolman & Weicker Insurance Services. Thanks to them both for their support and encouragement. Thanks to our podcasting partner, Polestring Press, for this great studio. And to Patrick, my co-host. Hey, Patrick. Hi, Mark. That press juice is kicking in. Is it? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, we, we're, uh, we're drinking apple, lemon, ginger with cayenne this morning. It's a great way to start the day. And that's Greg Hart, our city councilman here in Santa Barbara. Hey, Greg. Mark, it's a pleasure to be with you. God, how long? We've known each other forever, I think. I know. We shouldn't talk about how long because it makes it clear how old we are. (laughs) No, I'm I'm pretty transparent about that. I'm ancient. Um, uh, So uh, news, this just in, uh, we're trending in Australia. Oh, really? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Uh, we, so one of the things about the show that's very interesting, it was designed as part of the 805 Connect project, of mm-hmm. which you're aware, right? That yes. Santa Barbara is, is involved in that as the center for this region. Mm-hmm. Yet this show, now going, we're rapidly approaching 80 episodes, reaches well outside of the region because of iTunes, mm-hmm. and then well outside of the United States, which it is really me. a global world, isn't it? Mm. Little Santa Barbara communicating to the planet. Very, very much so. And especially th- though we try to take time out of this because people will listen to this episode who knows when. But it is Earth Day weekend, mm-hmm. which started here in Santa Barbara. So when you think about the things that happen here that get exported, and, and this is not just Santa Barbara, but in this region mm-hmm. that get exported out to the world, we can be pretty proud of that. It is true, and I think it's one of the things that people really love about living in Santa Barbara is the fact that we have been an environmental leader for a long time and need to reassert that leadership. It's important going forward. I was reading about you, and there, uh, there's some interesting things that you pay attention to with mm-hmm. your role in the in the city, and you've devoted your life to to. Public, public service, service yes. right? Mm-hmm. That's you've got. You're you're a gaucho, yes. right? And so political you, science degree. Yeah, where did you come College? from to go to school? I actually grew up here in Santa Barbara. Mm-hmm. How many generations are you then? My father moved our family here when he was the library director in Lompoc, and then he got a job in Santa Barbara as the library director. But here. had he was he first generation Lompoc? No, he he grew up in Texas. Yeah, and met my mom, and we would. Yeah, uh, I was born in Fullerton, and then moved to Santa Barbara when uh, I was five. So you're SoCal like me, and mm-hmm. then and then yep. moved up here. Did didn't barely escape the gravitational pull of Los Angeles. No, I'm still I a say. Laker fan and a Dodger <laughs> oh, fan. Nice, <laughs> there you go. Yeah. A Ram fan, even. And it's oh, really? Yes. That's old school. It is. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and new school as they re-arrive. And they have oh. the number one draft pick in the oh, NFL kidding. draft, oh. too. So this, there could be a new the, renaissance. The so we're going to talk sports ball. Yeah, today, uh, today on 5 Conversations. Where I was going was... You're on the Creeks Advisory Committee, mm-hmm. which I didn't know we had. And then uh, we have an advisory committee for everything. Everything. Mark. The podcast this advisory is Santa committee Barbara. is our new. We need to build one. Well, I like it. it I, I think they exist for a reason for they citizens do. to volunteer to be involved. Absolutely, which they do. The other one, though, is interesting. It's <clears throat> I didn't know we had this either. Called Beacon, 
which is the Beach Erosion Authority for Clean Oceans and Nourishment. How did you get all those words in that? You know, it actually had a different acronym that I can't oh, recall was? that was even less mellifluous. Using that <laughs> uh, word again. And back. one of the staff people uh, came up with this, which is, I think, is a more inclusive description of the job. What and is the it job? is it is fascinating. W- really, what has evolved is that Beacon is a regional discussion uh, forum for local government representatives to come and talk about essentially climate change and sea level rise. That is becoming the oh. new challenge. It was originally intended to talk about a way to help distribute sand um, on the beaches because the dams that we have built to provide waters to the communities in this area are cutting off the supply of sand to the beaches, and it's becoming mm. a problem. We're seeing coastal erosion. But that is being overwhelmed, frankly, by climate change and sea level rise. And so the mission of Beacon is to kind of tell that story to local governments and help them be better prepared for adaptation that's going to be necessary. It's frankly kind of daunting. It's one of the biggest things that get the least attention. And Beacon is trying to raise the profile of that that concern. So Beacon is also metaphorical with the Beacon and shining light and and all of that. Uh, Okay, well... Let's just go down climate change for just a second, because mm-hmm. I'm in the world of people believe it's actually a real thing. Uh, <laughs> so am I. And, I don't uh, think you need to say actual there. I think you can just <laughs> <laughs> Well, it depends on who you're talking to. <laughs> no, you know, right? you, you know what? No, no. It, it, no. It actual is, is actual, yes. When, when somebody says right. to me, you know, like, well, I, I'm, I've come to realize the earth is in fact round. <laughs> because you ever thought it wasn't? Like, that's... <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm, I don't think we can afford them enough room anymore to say, like, well, you know, I understand that I need to convince you. Like, come on, the yes. evidence is there. But we, if you've been watching those Republican Party debates, it's very crazy, right? You do have to start with that sentence. We were at TED when Al Gore gave the first, mm. sh- he did that show, mm-hmm. his slideshow, the first time ever. And, he, and they were calling it, that's when it was at that TED, he said, it's the climate crisis. Mm-hmm, that's mm-hmm. where they said, no, Al, you're thinking about it the wrong way. Someone in the audience said, this is what it is. And that was at that time. And it was that's when Lawrence Bender came and said, we need to turn this into a movie. And mm-hmm. uh, Inconvenient, Inconvenient Truth, Truth was all mm-hmm. born as a result of a TED conversation, mm-hmm. which I was didn't interesting. know the beginning of that story. No. So how, how does a, a, a community say, we're going to you know, make, make a point of this climate change. We're going to pay attention to this. What, mm-hmm. what can, what can we do other than just say, oh, okay, yeah, it's coming. I mean, what, give me an example of something we prepare for. Well, it is really a challenge. And I think we are at the public education stage of the discussion. And, and there are many people who just cannot get their heads around this and, and recognize how big a deal it is. I don't know if you recall, maybe 10, 15 years ago, um, Mayor Schneider was advocating with a community organization to paint a line on State Street called the Light Blue Line. Oh, yeah. Would yeah, have yeah, simulated sure. the level at which um, climate change yeah. would, would create sea rise in the city of Santa Barbara. And folks just didn't want to hear that. That became incredibly controversial and was, you know, deemed to be a bad idea because of the reaction of the public. But it is true. And it, it just wasn't ready for people to absorb that fact at that point in time. So now I think 10, 15 years later, it is more accepted, it is more, more recognized. But that the translation of the theoretical aspect of it to a practical reality to the city right. is not still not there. So Beacon is trying to begin to show with some very sophisticated mapping tools 
what this means. Oh, mm-hmm. And what it really means is that it doesn't happen overnight. There's not you know water up to that line. But what occurs over time is is the storm surge right. and the severity of storm surges. Right becomes more and more storms. frequent and we would yeah back in the day when we actually got rain yeah. and so the the places that are in trouble from storm events start to increase and become more and more into the inland area of the town so there's going to be a big challenge i think politically do you armor the coast do you retreat from the coast armor you, the coast well mm. that's what they do in the netherlands is there yeah, right. underwater. Right, sure, and so they have sure. seawalls that protect them. They had them. figured that out hundreds of years ago. And it works for them, but I don't know that that, you know, could you imagine Santa Barbara without a beach? No. And so these these issues are absolutely real. The You know, the airport and the entire Goleta Valley is accessible through Goleta Beach, you know, and if that... That was a slough out there at the airport, wasn't it? Absolutely. Back in the day? Back, it was a harbor. It was an active right. it was place where you Didn't could Drake have boats. come to that harbor? I think that's the right. mm-hmm. historical a, argument. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's a big deal, and I don't know that we have a good answer to it. I think that the planning departments for the cities are just beginning to get their heads around it. Um, the folks at Beacon are trying to share this information this with the community. Is this a lo- is Beacon local? It is. It's the it's Santa Barbara and Ventura County. So it's it has a regional. Mm-hmm. But it, but isn't isn't the point of asking these questions this far not this far in advance, but like this far up front? Where and you say we don't have the answers for this, but mm-hmm. we need more people thinking about it. Yes, and that's exactly the point. Is we need we need to shine a light on this and get people talking about it, yeah. because there probably is no there like everything. There's no there's silver no, bullet. There's no mm-hmm. one yes. solution to this. So there will be a, a variety of different choices. And there's not really anything we can do about it other than protect against it? I mean, well, I think, you know, globally, you, so you do the best it, you that, can right. to reduce the impact of climate change, to, right. to, to delay it as long as possible. But you know, I think we're getting to that point in time where, you know, that there we will see effects of it. How severe and how um, consequential that is is remains to be seen. So we're going to probably have to do some adaptation in addition to continuing to do the effort. to Regardless if, if we all you know, reduce right. fossil fuels, it's right. still, we're still going to have it. We're still going to be affected. There's a reason why it's been the hottest yeah. weather in the past five years in right. human history. It's a reason why we have the worst drought that we have ever had in Santa Barbara. So, And, and I think that's an issue also that transcends our region. Yes. Right. So the, our listener in, uh, where's my other? Australia. Oh, Australia. The, no, I have new uh, other, yeah. uh, Poland. Where we have <laughs> listeners in Poland, <laughs> listeners in Saudi Arabia, and oh. listeners in India. See, when when you tell me that, I I, I I used to when you would say, "Oh, Venezuela," and that and that was it. I would think, "Oh, well, it's an anomaly. It's some it's it's a computer glitch. It's a bot or something." But when you tell me like seven different countries, it's like, yeah. "No, it's not an anomaly." Yeah, it's, it's no, it's it's and, and the things that we're talking about are interesting. And so that I don't think our listeners outside of the area know <clears throat> this. Santa Barbara was the birthplace of environmental mm-hmm. activism. Yeah. So that whole that didn't exist. That wasn't a thing. Really, the, the genesis was the oil spill that we yep. had mm. in 1969 here in Santa Barbara. And yep. it, that so shocked the community that they responded in an extraordinary way and really became organized around environmental issues. And Earth Day was one of the manifestations of that. It got national attention for the oil spill and used that to kind of launch these efforts. And there are many community organizations that formed in the wake of the oil spill that still are doing great work. Oh, absolutely. In well, and the blowout preventer. Which was mm-hmm. which was invented after the the Santa Barbara oil spill, which is the thing that failed on Deepwater Horizon, was invented because of the oil spill. And so, who knows how many other oil spills have been avoided because of the hit we took in '69? Right. When did you figure out you wanted to be a public servant? <laughs> 
I think it was driven by my interest in environmental issues. And you really? know, when I was in high school, I was very. Hi, where'd you go to high school? I went to San Marcos High School. Really? Mm-hmm. I won't hold that against you. That's I know. Okay. I, I, my parents. It's where I lived. You didn't is have a choice Mustangs? in those days. This is the, no, the Royals. Royals. The Royals. Yes. Okay. The Royals. Just had their fiftieth anniversary. A couple Congratulations, of years ago. all Thank you. you Royal listeners out there. Um, probably, if I had my choice, I would have gone to Santa Barbara High. But Thank since you. I'm a Santa Barbara City Council member, but Thank you. Know, at the time I went to, to San Marcos. I'm a Don Dad. Good so for you. I am. <laughs> More than a hundred years of history. But so you're in high school. And this is not an obvious path to get excited about mm-hmm. that. I mean, we live in a beautiful place, so it's we're surrounded by nature. Mm-hmm. Was there a person, an event, a book? I was in, very invested in the anti-nuclear initiative oh, in, no. uh, that was on the ballot in the time I was in high school. I can't remember the exact election, but it was yeah. Proposition 15. And there was a lot of citizen activism, activism about Diablo Canyon and the mm. construction of the yep. power plant up there. Yep. And I just thought that that, you know, the fact that there is no solution to the, the spent fuel, <laughs> there still is no solution to right. the spent fuel, seemed an incredibly silly way to do that. 15 years old? Uh, probably 16, 15, so 16, you something come, like that. So you come mm-hmm. home and say, Mom, Dad, no nukes, no nukes. <laughs> yes. Right? And, and they the, were not big fans of that political philosophy. They were Republicans. Oh, and so oh. They oh were gosh. Like, you What's come from wrong a Republican with family. Yes, I'm the black sheep of the Republican wow. family. Wow. So. <laughs> my mother, who still lives in town, watches who's gonna, Fox who's News all the time. And, yeah. and I try my best to say, Mom, that's not news. It may be Fox, but it's not news. Yeah. So. so, you know, I think there's that, that age, that young age, when we become full of zeal. Idealistic. For that, yes, yes. Right. Right. And so you were that guy. Yes. Nice. So then, so, and, and you couldn't vote though. Not until President Carter's election. But oh. you could be a community, were you a community organizer? I was in a quasi way. I was just excited about this, was trying right. to figure out a way to contribute. You know, I went to the events and things, and um, I don't think they actually had much focus in those days on those kind of efforts. It was right. more just, we're all, we all agree, let's get together and let's, there's a, there were concerts up at uh, Diablo, the Jackson Brown and Bonnie Raitt. And hmm. So you would go folks, to those. I would go to those. Right, all locals, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. And, um, and then from that, I decided that I, politics was something I want to learn more about. So a student at City College, I was a political science major. Right. UCSB, the same thing, and then got my first job out of college working with a state legislator who was a young guy, Jack O'Connell. Oh, he, Re- the education czar, yes, right? Yes, absolutely. He was a state assemblyman here. What's he doing now? He is um, working for education nonprofit organizations oh, on boards and can, continuing that work. But his campaign was fascinating. He was a really young guy. He was a high school teacher out of Oxnard. And he had no chance oh. to get elected. It was oh. um, he was running against Brooks Firestone. Oh sure. And Brooks was obviously you know the Wait, heir to the, the Firestone. The Brooks Firestone. Yes. Okay. And, and yeah. Brooks was whose you know, son th- was on the show a few weeks back. There you go. Yeah. He, and he was um, the the clear front runner in that race uh, statewide. Nobody really gave this Jack O'Connell anonymous guy a chance to win against from Oxnard. Yeah. And Jack worked his brains out, knocked on every door. There was a little cadre of us young, idealistic college students who were working on his campaign, and we worked like crazy, too. Literally slept in the campaign headquarters to keep the printers running Mm -hmm. so that they would spit out the letters. Sure. And he got elected. Now, did uh, you get paid? I got paid. um, I was a volunteer initially, and then I got paid, I think, $1,000 a month. To okay. work seven days a week, 24 hours a day. Sure. <laughs> Child <laughs> labor. Yeah. And I loved it. Thought it was yeah. the greatest thing What was the thing best ever. part of that? Just, 
you know, being involved in something that had no such such long shot odds and pulling it off, and then you having, like the underdog thing. Yes, absolutely. It was very inspiring. Wait, how, I, I feel like I I because I, I teach at SBCC and I have these students, and I want mm-hmm. I want them to have that. It's really I feel so blessed to have had that. How, how do I? You know, like, that's what we're always looking for. Is like, how can I just put you? I don't care what the path is. I just want right, to put. Doesn't you, matter. I just want to point you at something that you put. You know, seven days a week, twenty four hours a day into. You know, it's all about the passion, and and you're right. It, I don't know why that all worked for me, just but it did, and that was all it took. And mm. from that point on, it you know that, that's what I've been doing. I want to I want to challenge passion for just a second because we we hear that find your passion, be passionate mm-hmm. about it. And we hear that that that's the go to answer. Mm-hmm. There's a guy I pay attention to who suggests it's not that you really need to have discipline. What will make you win over passion is if you have discipline in your DNA. It's Kobe. That is his thing. <laughs> it's right? true. Kobe gets, in fact, I was just listening to this on Kobe the radio. Kobe got. Kobe is 4 o'clock in the morning yeah. getting up and doing the work. As a then, millionaire. Yes. Who could just, he could sleep in. And everybody else is sleeping in. Yep. And, then, he show, and they, then they show up at the gym and then he does what they do. And then after the game, he goes back and does more and then goes to sleep and gets up and does it again and does it every day for 20 years. So it is discipline and it's focus. And I think that was what Jack O'Connell did. He, mm. he was going to not be outworked. It mm. wasn't about uh. inspiration. It was perspiration. Hmm. So if you were to counsel uh, you know, a young 20-year-old Greg Hart what would the three things be that you said, like, pay attention to these things, that they will serve you well? I do think it is hard work, and I try yep. to tell my son that. And, I, and I, you know, when you're 20 and there's lots of different things to do, you, you need to do those things too. But you also need to build a structure that just says you're going to do the, the work that's part of school. Yeah, I, I laugh with them and I say, you don't know this now, but if you just spent eight hours a day studying like people do in a regular job, you could party and do everything else you want to do the rest of the time and you'd get straight A's because that kind of focus is rare in students. And he doesn't hear it very well, and so we're working on that. But it, it just is simply putting the time in. So it's, hard work, that's one. What's number two? Um, I think figuring out how to listen carefully uh, to yeah, people sure. and to engage with people and to not, you know, pursue solitary things, but to, to, to engage with other people of um, all different points of view and try and, and have conversations with them and ask questions. Show up, listen, and network. Ooh, yeah, there you go. Thank you. Gosh. You put that in a really much better <laughs> way than I did. Well, no, I was just <laughs> well, trying to, I was, I was, I'm looking for a memory thing, right? Like how right, can I remember right, those three right, things yeah, he right, just said? Right. And it, it was show up. You know, listen yes. and and then and then talk to people. It's just yes. yeah, and it that is. and that is perfect advice. Yeah, and that's and from the point of view of being a public servant, mm-hmm. that's exactly it. The um, so so I, one of my sayings. I'm I'm in the process of of kind of I'm writing a book, mm-hmm. and I have one page that are things that I found I've said over the years, Mm -hmm. and I keep track of them, but it was a Woody Allen quote, the world belongs to those who show up. It's true. Mm. 
right? So it's that that showing up and doing the work. Oh, I mm-hmm. thought that was my teacher, Stuart Herodner, who told me that. <laughs> Woody stole it. Well, probably. <laughs> there really isn't Deep anything. It's all from Washington. Yeah. Yes. His, well, his his was his was. Um, uh, I'll take I'll take the uh, mediocre art that showed up over the best idea that never showed up. Uh, yeah. There you go. Yeah. I, I amended that to because I would find you would ha- you have a meeting. I, I knew you so you do this. Mm-hmm. Okay, we're going to talk about the creeks. We're going to talk mm-hmm. about a road. We're going to do a beacon meeting, and the public's invited. And there are two people sitting in the front <laughs> yes, row, and it's, it's the same very two people, right? Yes. No, no, of course it is, right? Yes. And so, and and in business, you would do that. We find there's a something really important. We're going to have a meeting about that. And two people show up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's when I learned, okay, guess what? We own the world, you guys, because we showed up. We're making the decisions. Yeah. And we win because we – If and if someone doesn't like it, hey, s- sorry, snooze, you lose, right? That's right. So we amended that to say the world belongs to those that show up with a plan. Mm. Right, because if you show up prepared yes, the, and the other people show up but not prepared. Yeah, you, you know, win. Simple. Right, and when I and we, it's best idea wins, but at least I can be the first one on the the whiteboard to say what about this, and then there's the act of creation and editing. Okay, I've created that thing now, where the rest of us can edit it. And lots of people are better at editing than bringing that first idea to the room. Yeah. Very much so. And yeah. but you're right, you set the tone from the first thing that right? ends up on the board, the first conversation about yeah. something. Mm-hmm. No, exactly. I feel like a lot of those, a lot of those, those public hearings, those public meetings, they they suffer from the problem that that outreach to come to those things, a way in which to engage mm-hmm. the community to bring them into those those events, that's not really in the budget. To, to and it's <laughs> becoming increasingly more difficult yeah. as, um, you know, the communications has become more stratified and that it is not, you know, used to be able to just put something in the news press and that right, was yeah. it, that covered it. Now, yeah. that was a, to, it's a newspaper that used to exist. Here it did. It used, to, right. it used to be the paper of record. And right. now it's, you know, that is a very niche um, audience right. like and Fox every, News exactly same audience actually yes exactly mm. interesting and so there's Newshawk and there's um, Independent and there's Ed Hat and there's exactly yeah. there's you there's yeah. so many different ways that we have to communicate that it's be it's almost overwhelming I think to government at this point we don't because, have a good model because where yeah where how do you how do you do a press release that actually hits the the ears and the eyes and then activates them to to, to right. either come out right. or at least right. log in mm-hmm. right. and check in on what's going on. And people are incredibly busy, too. That yeah. is another right. part of it. I think that you know, 20, 30 years ago, society operated at a more leisurely pace. It wasn't so financially demanding to survive. And people have really to focus on what, what makes a living. So having the social discourse and being part of a community is harder. Um, community organizations that used to fill in the gaps between what government did are having a hard time getting people to attend and participate. Our advisory committees, the Creeks Committee, sure. and all the different things that we need citizen engagement on are having a hard time recruiting people to serve in that capacity. Mm. So it's, it's a challenge, and we don't have a good answer. I think that that is the same challenge for any of us in, in business, in the public sector, private sector, whatever, getting our message out there mm-hmm. because it's just the signal to noise ratio is just. In signal to noise ratio. Ooh, Buzzword yes. bingo. Oh, thank you. Busted at my own, <laughs> hoisted on my own petard. Signal to, say it again. It's the signal to noise ratio. Have you heard that? No. Okay. I mean, so, I think I get it, but I want to hear you say it. 
So if we are, uh, let's use the SETI example, because that's as obscure as you mm -hmm. can get, which sure. is the search for extraterrestrial life. There's a lot of noise coming back from the big satellites that are capturing the noise. The but how much signal in there, the stuff to pay attention to is mm -hmm. there. Mm -hmm. A lot of signal. So the mm -hmm. signal to noise ratio is I want to reduce the noise so I can just get to the signal. Right. How so do you a, filter out all of that information to find the quality so information? Exactly. And, and which leads to something called mass personification or targeting or so in the Internet through data mining, we can find out what you're interested in mm -hmm. and then serve up things to you. So if the public agencies had the budget for this, mm -hmm. they would know based on, uh, I would, by the way, I would have all your stuff on Facebook only, mm -hmm. by the way. Yep. Um, and through Facebook ads, you can find out what people are interested in and you can push these meeting notices to them that way. Absolutely. So you could find people who are posting pictures yeah. of environmental you know, things, right? You know, doesn't it, <laughs> as you say that, I think um, there's, there's a requirement, there's a lot of laws and regulations that are in place that say that things have to be posted a certain number of times in the newspaper before mm -hmm. developments right. happen. Right. Or if you're, doing, if you're doing building improvements, you have to post the building permit out on the front. Yes, yes. Wouldn't it be great if we mandated to Facebook that one left corner of Facebook was required to produce local notices for public government that had like that had to happen. Everybody, what a great idea. Everybody yes. who logged mm -hmm. into Facebook on a daily basis, there was one little left corner. You could ignore it if you like, but mm -hmm. the little left corner, Facebook was required to produ to, to, to respond mm -hmm. to mm -hmm. local government and notices. And we know, so this is absolutely possible. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we can because, make this happen. Because you can, do you, I don't know if you know this, but you can go into Facebook and go into Google, mm -hmm. and I want to buy ads within a certain uh, zip code or within a certain radius of mm -hmm. where I am or with a certain radius of where the person is. So it, 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 that public awareness is a big one. I want to shift now over mm -hmm. to another thing that I, I hope you um, can help with, which is the... <laughs> That's why we've brought you here. <laughs> yes. I will do my best. Um, so the business community here in Santa Barbara has has changed just... Just mm -hmm. let's just look at downtown, but I, I'm I'm going to expand that to the whole region. This region's exploding right now, mm -hmm. uh, and I and through the entrepreneurial things, startup, uh, the various startup events that are happening, the hackathons, the I mean, there's it's fantastic. The the mm -hmm. the educational community, every everything's all working really well. Santa Barbara now, you can't get office space. Mm -hmm because it's all the tech companies have bought up everything there is. I mean, you look at uh, Sonos and um, everybody that's mm -hmm. around, they've bought all that space up. Yet there's this lingering vibe that Santa Barbara's not business friendly. Mm -hmm. is, is that just an, a misnomer? Or are we friendly, are we not friendly, or wh wh where are we This is the on struggle that? of Santa Barbara. Yeah, and no, it I know. Is, it is the... Um, you know, why are we different and special and attractive to people? It's because we've been thoughtful over a very long period of time and didn't just do what everybody else did at those major pivot points in yeah. decision. We, we slowed growth and we valued um, quality, um, yeah. and that has made us incredibly attractive. And so there is this permanent tension with supply and demand. And, we, and okay. all we do, I think, is, is play around the edges of that because there is a, there is a core 
um, fundamental understanding that we just can't grow to to be like everybody else and to solve that supply demand tension. Is so that we, a limiting belief? I think it is true because I think there aren't many models that you look around that are successful where growth solved the problems. Hmm. But the flip side of it is that we are more expensive and less diverse and um, limited by that. So the mm. trick is to find the balance point between the two. Okay. And, and I think that we have more or less navigated that fairly successfully. But we're to the point now where that is constraining us. And it is hard politically to move beyond that because folks who are here came here for a reason. Very few people really live here their whole lives anymore because it is just economically not sustainable. So we're becoming a place where folks choose to come to. And so less of that, um, that buy-in at the DNA level about this struggle is present. But, it's, but people who move here immediately say, I don't want this to change at all because right. this is why I came here. Right. And so that is, that's the problem politically is to try and be innovative and to try and address the realities of future changing conditions by doing things differently is immediately met with resistance because people don't want anything to change. And yet it is changing and we have to adapt to it. So that managing that struggle is always the Santa Barbara political problem. And has been. Always has been. Since probably the 20s always. with yes. Pearl Chase and exactly. right. how are we going to rebuild after the earthquake and, and all of that. Yes. Although I, I guess I, you could, I would make the argument that that was the moment that where they made the first choice that was to the pivot, be quality the versus yeah. quantity. You know, yeah. any town Santa Barbara became this Hispanic vision of Santa Barbara. When, when did the forty-five foot height limit come into play? That was in the um, the late seventies, and that was another decision that, that kind of limited. And that was a down zoning of the city. The, the right. city was zoned to be a much much bigger and denser and have, yeah. have more um, higher story buildings. Seventy-five feet. 45, 45 feet. feet. 45 feet. Which has become, uh, my uh, fiance is on the, the Architecture Board of Review, and, and they, they deal with this regularly, that this, this 45-foot height um, is, the, is the break point for profitability for developers. Huh. So, so when it comes to like, like building something, it's that, that, that 50, 65 feet is where they really make the money then to build a quality thing underneath it. So that's, they run up against that constantly is how do, how do we reconcile huh. that? Mixed with neighborhood opinion, mm -hmm. which is that they don't want anything over two stories. Two stories is just high enough. Right. What do they call the, the I think they're called story poles. Yeah, mm -hmm. story poles. So Favorite for, name ever. So, so for someone who doesn't know this and they might look in their community, you have these, th the thinnest like toothpicks mm -hmm. that go up two stories, three stories, and then they have red or orange Ribbons, tape around yeah. them to give you a sense of the visualization. It's old school visualization, mm -hmm. like in the real world. And you'll see those. And when I see them, I go, they can't put that building there. And I'm like, whoa, no, hold it, Mark. Yes. You're not that guy. Yes. Right? Yeah. And then That's they why do there's some... a fight as to whether they should right? have to do those or not. Because the, you're right. They're, oh, they're there's talking. a fight whether oh, they should do them. Well, I oh, think anyone that, who's trying to develop would prejudices. rather not do that. And the neighbors would always want to see that. And so there's and they're in, and it's not cheap to do that either. So there's a yeah. tension between all of that. Oh, my gosh. It's not a given that you have to do story polls. Oh my gosh! Well, I'm thinking of the corner in uh, on Coast Village Road, mm -hmm. where there was the Turk 
nursery, nursery and now is ever. the new honor bar and that development. And they nailed that. Yeah, mm-hmm. they did. I mean, they nailed that. Uh, we had Brian Cornell, the architect, mm-hmm. here, and that just, it looks like it's always been Absolutely. there. Absolutely. Right, and mm-hmm. that's what you want, yep. right? That's, that's the goal. So staying on this growth piece, the other word that comes up that I haven't heard you say is density. Mm-hmm where they'll say, okay, well, let's just pack more in Mm -hmm. and make it denser, and that's the way we do it. Why does that get fought so hard? Well, I think we're ironically doing better with that in just recent years because we had a huge debate uh, at the general plan update process, which is techie speak for the city kind of rewriting its growth constitution. That was done, um, I guess it's been now about six or seven years ago. And in that plan, there was um, a a new innovative program to encourage higher density rental projects. Mm. And as a result of those changes in the general plan, there are rental projects being built for the first time in 30 years. There are about 1,000 rental units in the pipeline. Mm -hmm. And the biggest examples are... Out on Upper State Street, if you drive by near La Cumbre Plaza, there's mm-hmm. a four-story building going there called the Mark. There are plans to tear down the Galleria and rebuild that into um, housing, rental housing. And then there's a church that's right adjacent to that other project right, sure. that's going to come down and be senior housing. So that concentration right there is a whole big change. Um, and it, it makes sense economically because the city has boosted the allowed density and folks are taking that cue and running with it. There are other projects scattered around town. And you're starting to hear now from some of the traditional neighborhood um, activists that this is too much and we should stop. And, there, mm. and that this is too much change. It's too fast. There, The program for the AUD, which is what this program is called, had a 250-unit uh, trial period where there were supposed to be 250 minutes units built, and then the city would stop and say, well, what has been the effect of that, and, and is this a good idea? Should we continue it or not? But there wasn't any clear criteria specified as to how you would judge success or failure of that. And there's no consensus now as to how to do that. So that is evolving, and, and the marketplace is providing more than those 250 units. And, and at some point, folks are saying we should stop. And others are mm. saying, maybe no, this is actually what we've been trying to achieve for the past 30 years, is trying right. to get a little bit more rental housing. Well, so, that's why the rental market's at a 0.02% vacancy rate right now. Yes, and to right. me, that to, that is the most important measurement yeah. of success, mm-hmm. is does that change? We, we can't sustain a community with that kind of rental vacancy which, rate. Which is not to say increase the population of Santa Barbara as much as afford a certain, reduce this 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 pressurized demand for places yes. so that prices are constantly every second. Mm. months, you know, rising by 30%. And people just literally can't move because there's yeah. no place to move right, to. Right, right. Um, that is one of the criticisms that, that I've heard recently about this big project up on Upper State Street is that it's it's not an affordable project. It's going to mm. be a high-end mm-hmm. rental environment. And people are saying, well, why are we building that? You know, we don't need rental apartments for people that are wealthy. Well, we don't, ideally, but the fact is by having that project, somebody's going to move from an existing rental situation into that unit. They're going to free up that unit, and somebody else is going to be able to move into that unit, and it's going to trickle through the entire community, and people are finally going to get a chance to move out of a place they've been stuck in for 10 or 15 years, even though they wanted to be able to move to something different and yet still couldn't afford to buy. So they're in the rental market. We, We moved a year and a half ago. 50 people showed up. To the, no to the day to look at the place. 15 people put in applications. All 15 people, according to the broker, qualified to move huh. into the space. 
It's like winning the lottery. It w- and for us, it was. It was. Yeah. And, that, and, that, and that was that moment where we were looking at it going, this is absurd. Yeah. And we were, we were questioning moving our businesses, moving our lives, moving our entire thing, mm-hmm. because we couldn't find a place to rent. Mm. And, and that's when, And when terrible. you think about this, you know, the thousand units that we're talking about is 3% of the housing right. stock in the city. 97% yeah. of right. the city doesn't change. But this Just 3% can make a difference in that vacancy rate. It can make a huge difference in people's lives. So I think that's okay. I think it's a good yeah. thing. What is your um, – there's a, there's a billboard on 101, and you get to put whatever's on the billboard, and, and you want to encourage the young – tech entrepreneur, the people that are working. I and mean, we employ thousands of people mm-hmm. in, in that. We, we don't even know them. <clears throat> How do we get them involved in these discussions mm. and paying attention to them? See, what's your billboard say? It's their future. You know, mm-hmm. there's your future. Demographically, mm-hmm. you know, the folks who have been making these decisions are aging out of the decision-making role. And they need to be replaced by people who care and want uh, to see the future that they want to live in. I was, um, I think I was maybe 35. I've been here since I was 20, 19. Mm-hmm. And uh, I got the um, stewardship conversation, mm. which is, mm-hmm. okay, mm-hmm. you live here. <laughs> and uh, Maintenance is ownership. Yes. Yeah. There's, yep. a, you can need, there's an ante here, yeah. you know, and, and he explained that the reason that this, and it's the whole region. The mm-hmm. reason it is nice and is because people have paid attention and they are doing things to always make it better. And now you as an incoming generation of leaders need to be paying attention to Absolutely. that. Uh, who's out having that? I mean, I know the guy who had that was Peter McDougall had the conversation mm-hmm. with me. Uh, who, who's the who's doing that? Do, do, do the elders know that that's part of it? It's like that's mentoring around citizenship and involvement. And, uh, you know, as much as I'm about entrepreneurs and startups and, and, and that, there's a part of it, which is get involved wherever your community is, go get involved. Mm-hmm. And I think it's because you said it's your future. I don't, do those citizens actually make a difference? That's that's the that's the there's the question, there's the question. So if I do show up, and and I'm used to, if I'm a business person, I'm used to I can make stuff happen. Mm-hmm. But I go to a business uh, a community thing. I was like, well, I, can I make a difference? The answer is yes. The challenge is that it's not it's not instant gratification, and it's there's a challenge with that. Is that I think people. Mm. Younger people expect quicker results and mm-hmm. faster change. And a system like city government and Santa Barbara's traditions don't operate quickly. Um, but increasingly, because people are so busy, fewer and fewer people are showing up mm-hmm. to say something about things. And so the voice that you bring has more impact. So ironically, it doesn't take as many people as it used to be. And, and I, know, I know this because I've been on the council through two different cycles. I was right. on the council 10 years ago, took a 10-year break and a back. And I'm surprised that how much fewer people attend council meetings than did in the past. When we mm-hmm. had big controversial events, um, there were lots of packed moments in council. And now since I've been back for two years, we've had really just two big moments when we, well, well maybe three. It's the Airbnb. Injunction, Airbnb, and then most recently the Bicycle Master Plan. Were the three. Right. What happened there? 
How Which one? Well, the bi- the bicycle master plan is the one that's of, of more mm-hmm. most recent to me. That that seemed very much like everything was on track. We were it was it was it was going to happen, mm-hmm. and then that kind of kicks in what you were talking about, where it's like actually we we don't get to move as fast as we wanted to. Yes, people showed up and said, "Whoa, you're ahead of us," and um, you're ahead of us. And we did do out a lot of outreach, but those people didn't participate. And yet until they, it came to the last yes, moment, and it came to their street, and yeah. they said, "Whoa, oh. this is a big deal." And um, I I didn't pay attention. So tell me what the what are the Mitchell Terena Street is that was is envisioned to be the east west connection for bicycles because there really is no other alternative. Has been since uh, the master plan was put in place forty years forty years ago. Forty years ago, a line on paper. Uh, It's the only overpass in the city that doesn't connect to freeway interchanges. So if you're riding a bicycle when you navigate the on and off ramps, that's 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 daunting and tough. So this is unique and provides that opportunity for connection. But the street's not physically wide enough to have dedicated bicycle lanes and parking. The street on either side. Yes. Yeah. So in order to accomplish the bicycle lanes, the the decision of the council was to remove the parking. Ooh. And the neighbors don't have parking alternatives Ooh. in that particular part. It's, it's a, a very old. spots? Yes. Yeah. And very old neighborhood that was built. Many of the homes built before garages. And lots uh. of the homes that were single-family homes built in the 20s were subdivided into apartments. So there's five or six people living where there was right. originally a house. Right. So the, um, they came out in mass on the last day and said, you know, you can't do this. And, and yet the bicycle community was saying for 40 years have been promising yeah, us yeah. this fundamental infrastructure to be able to get across town safely. And we can't continue just to have cars running around um, as the only way to get around town. We need to mm. encourage bicycling to have yeah, a better, more balanced. And, yeah. abs- all these things kind of fit together yeah. as the part of the planning process. But um, I don't think we just we just didn't do the extra step of really reaching into that neighborhood and saying, okay, well, what is your point of view? So at, at this hearing that went on for till almost eleven, eleven thirty at night, you know, from six o'clock in the evening, hundred and thirty people I think on both sides speaking to the issue, almost exactly evenly divided between mm, don't wow. do Mitchell train and do Mitchell train them. The council decided to go ahead with this. But um, the city attorney said, you know, I think we have skipped a, a step with CEQA to where we have not properly environmentally evaluated this decision. And the neighbors threatened to sue. <clears throat> so there was a big collective sigh and said, hmm, maybe we need to pause and slow this down and really take a little bit more time and look at this more carefully. And as a result, the staff have come up with some additional ideas that may be better. And there was a listening session on Tuesday evening with the Mitchell Trina neighborhood where all these 11 different alternatives were vetted more thoroughly. And it does seem like there may be another alternative on Sola Street that mm. was bigger than what the original plan was <laughs> yeah. that actually extends further into the east side and, and may provide a better bicycle alternative than Mitchell Trina Street that has less impact on the Mitchell Trina Street neighborhoods and maybe the Sola residents um, could accept. So... And if this all works out, it would be a win-win for everybody. Yeah. I do not relish your job, sir. <laughs> it's it's fun. Yeah. See, it's, but 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 people who have chosen this path mm-hmm. say they love it and thank you. Well, uh, you're re- welcome. And very I, much. I get a lot out of it, and I feel like I'm contributing. And right. this is my job as a steward. Yay! Thank you. But what's what's the future for you? I'm liking what I'm doing, and I'm really busy. Are you going to be the mayor? 
I don't know about that. I, you know, there's a lot of people who want to be mayor, and um, my vote on the council counts as much as the mayor's vote, but I don't have oh, to cut as go. many ribbons. Oh, <laughs> well. oh yeah. You've, you've answered this question before, I can tell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I... Uh, but again, hats off with 805 Connect. I've, I've uh, lots of conversations with the public sector and, and mm-hmm. representing the private sector and the education and getting everybody together and figuring out all this stuff. Because I just um, personally don't have the patience. Uh, I know I wouldn't be good mm-hmm. at it, but um, when there are chances to have your voice heard and stuff, I, you know, I show up and I would encourage our listener wherever they are in the world and wherever government that they're engaging with. Yes. Go, go, yes. go pay attention. They would, yeah. they would love to have you. Great. Yes. Thank you so much for it's really joining a pleasure. Us. It's, what a fun way to start the day, having a great conversation with <laughs> right. I love smart, this, interesting right? people. Just, you know, yeah. No, that's my line. I smart, interesting <laughs> people, Fa- fascinating people. You want to know better. So, um, how can, so people can find information at Santa Barbara, ca.gov, G-O-V, yes. right? And they can email me there at, at Hart at SantaBarbaraCA.gov, and uh, my phone number is 564-5318. Happy to talk and chat about anything, anytime. I love that. And most Tuesday nights, they can come. Tuesday nights, they can come and eat. We act Tuesday afternoon to, to sometimes Tuesday yeah. nights. But right. I, I work all seven days a week, so I'm, I like doing things with people and talking, and so don't well, you're, well, you're doing, you know, we're, we're, we've started this thing where I'm trying to get the three thing. What are the three mm-hmm. lessons that we pull out of this? Mm-hmm. And it was show up. Listen and network as we thank you, Patrick. Uh, came up with that's well, my gig is just to shorten everything. I've up. got my campaign slogan. Yeah, there you go. Thank <laughs> you. Check off the box. Uh, yeah. Thank you. We'll send you a bill for that. Uh, <laughs> we are a marketing firm as well. So lifestyle thank, branding. So Greg, thank you so much. My pleasure. Appreciate always, it always very great to much. See you, um, and the part of the show that the listener has been waiting for, and our new listener in Australia, Poland, Saudi, and India. Um, we actually get to name this episode, mm. right? Because we had a great conversation. Mm-hmm. So we're going to put a bow on it. And we're going to put it up on the shelf, did, mm-hmm. uh, metaphorically. What, what does the spine of that book say? Because you, you get dibs on it. Wow. Now you're really testing my early morning non-caffeinated brain. Oh, my. Um, this is you without caffeine? <laughs> <laughs> Conversations with a smile. Oh, mm. oh there you go. See, you, you, that didn't take you that long. I'd like that. Yeah, it so just came to me because I'm smiling because I'm having a great time. See? And it's really, this is fr- it's a Friday. It's a good day. It's, yeah. you know, this is really, I really, thank you for inviting me. It's been a pleasure. You are so welcome. So I want to, um, we have our title. Thank you. Nicely That's fantastic. Done. It took no time at all. I also want to thank California Lutheran University's School of Management and Tolman and Weicker Insurance Services and our podcasting partner, Pull String Press. I, I just love working here. We get these great conversations because we've just created a great environment and it works. The 805 Connect project is supported by partners and sponsors throughout the region. I want to thank all of them as well. More information on what we are doing is at 805connect.com. Take, take a look at that. It's a pretty big idea uh, we've, uh, that we're looking at economic vitality from a lot of different um, aspects. And we could use your support. Patrick, this is where I'm looking for something interesting our listener can do. 
to yeah. help us. Yeah. Well, um, it uh, that move, you know, where you take the other person's phone that hasn't heard of the podcast yet and you, yes. and you subscribe them. You grab their phone and you yes. subscribe them to our podcast. Yes. It turns out that's a real thing that a lot of different podcasts. Oh, it is? <laughs> yeah. A lot of different people that run podcasts, that's a move that they do is they grab other people's phones and then they subscribe it to the thing rather than trying to tell them, oh, go look for it. it at just iTunes. hand me your phone. Hand me your phone. Um, so here's, here's my thing. I would like to know what you call that move. So send Mark, Oh, this is a contest for you or something, send Mark uh, what that term is for grabbing somebody's phone and subscribing them to your favorite podcast. It's potification something, something like could that. Be, it could be any term out there, but uh, if you send it to Mark, we'll start using it, and that'll be our catchphrase for, for what you need to do is grab somebody's phone, uh, subscribe them to this podcast. I love that. You heard it here first. Um, you, the way you get a hold of me is mark at 805connect.com, or you could even say really cool podcast idea at... 805connect.com. That'll get me uh, as well. Let, also, let me know what you like about the show. We've got lots of people that write in, and, and we really appreciate um, all of those good words. And until next time, this is Mark Sylvester, your host for 805 Conversations. <laughs>